Christmas we say, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The song, O Holy Night, says that at Christmas the soul finds its worth. At Christmas the course of the universe progresses, but it is no longer business as usual. Everything has changed. That is what Paul is writing to the Galatians about. Galatians chapter 4. It's towards the end of his letter. He says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. No longer business as usual. There's a scene in the office where... um, the Office is kind of kind of an old show now. It's kind of a dated show, but um, there's a scene in uh, season four, episode two, where um, Michael Scott, this bumbling boss who's been at, at at his job for like 15 years in the same role, and and the young shot upstart Ryan, who started as a temp, is now his boss, and um, so Michael takes credit for everything Ryan does. And, um, and, and, but, but Ryan comes in one day to the office and he, he's, he's, he's going to overhaul the entire, um, the entire company. So he comes in and gives a presentation about their new online platform and how they're going to do sales and it's going to be brand new and they're going to overhaul everything. They're throwing out the playbook. They're going to do it all new. It's going to be brand new. Everyone's going to get a Blackberry. It's, um, you know, they're, they're, he's gonna, we're changing everything about the way we do business. And then um, after the meeting's over, Michael and Ryan are in, their, are in Michael's office together. And Michael says, I just wanted to make sure that, um, that the, the vis-a-vis me in the office, uh, everything is business as usual, right? Ryan says, well, it's business, but not as usual. Right, right, right. We're, we're making great strides. We're, getting, we're becoming more efficient, blah, blah, blah. That's great. But, 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 but business as usual, right? No, we're throwing out the entire playbook, we're starting from scratch, we're overhauling everything. Great, so we're on the same page. And Ryan says, no, we're not. New Year's resolutions feel a little bit like that to me. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We're overhauling everything. We're going to overhaul the diet and the body and the schedule, and, 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 and we're going to do it all. And by February... It's business as usual. The Galatians have a moment where they're tempted to go back to business as usual. And that's why Paul writes them this letter. The Galatian community is, um, uh, is one of the first communities that's, that's not Jewish that becomes Christian. So most of the, the, first, the, the early churches are all Jewish and it's sort of ambiguous. Are we still Jewish? Are we Christian? You know, where, where is this line where we're no longer a Jewish sect but we're Christian? The Christianity was a Jewish sect for the first 
decades of its existence. They didn't understand it necessarily as a separate religion. But then when Paul begins to go out and evangelize to Gentile communities, non-Jewish communities, um, they, they don't have any of the context for where Jesus is coming from. Jesus is the Messiah uh, in Judaism. He comes for the, the, the people of God who previously had been all Jewish. And so the Gentiles need to approach faith from a really different way. And they need to understand something about Judaism, but they, do they need to become Jews first to become Christians? It's kind of ambiguous. Galatia, this is either, this is either written to a specific church or a group of churches that was in this sort of region of Galatia in Rome. And, and, and the Galatians were, um, were Roman citizens. They probably had some sort of national polytheistic sort of religious background. They worshipped the gods, um, viewed the emperor as a god. So their conversion to Christianity was, um, was significant for a lot of different reasons. I mean, um, it, yeah, becoming Christian for them would have meant different things than than for the Jews. So the, 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 the people in Galatia have heard from Paul. Paul's come and preached to them. They've accepted the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ had saved them um, from being lost. But now they were kind of on their own trying to figure out what that meant. And, um, and, 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 and so soon, some people who are kind of termed Judaizers come to the area of Galatia, and they start telling the Galatians, um, listen, it's great that you've got Jesus, but you also need to become Jewish, essentially, in order to be Christian. And so um, the Judaizers convince them that, they, that the men need to be circumcised. They convince them that they need to follow the, the, the diets, the Jewish diets, that they need to observe the days of Judaism, the holidays uh, of the Jewish calendar, Sabbath. They, so they start instituting, right, we have the, the entire Old Testament, right? Five books, books of law. I mean, there's a lot there. So they start trying to implement some of this for the Galatians. And the Galatians are confused because they're not Jews, but now they're Christians, but they're kind of also Jews a little bit maybe. I don't know. Um, so the, the Galatians are a little bit confused, and Paul starts to hear that some of the Galatians are getting circumcised, and he's like, hold up, what, what's going on? Um, why are you doing this? Um, the Judaizers make Jesus a part of business as usual. They fit Jesus in, 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 into, into sort of the religion um, that they were familiar with. And Paul writes and says, listen, if, if you're going to, if you're going to stick with business as usual, then you, you don't really need Jesus to do business as usual. Um, you could keep doing that if you want, but, you know, then nothing's really changed. Um, and so Paul writes to the Galatians to tell them that they've gone back to business as usual. He explains the law to them in the first few chapters of Galatians because they don't really know much about the Jewish law, so he explains how the law, God used the law as sort of a custodian, but ultimately it was a jail cell that they needed to be freed from. The law kept things clean. It was a way for people to understand who God was, their relationship with God, but ultimately it was a prison that they needed to be set free from. And in Christ, they were set free from it, and so they no longer needed the law, the custodian, because Christ had fulfilled it and had done away with it. So he sort of explains some of this um, and the law to them. And then in chapter 4, we get this section, which is the turning point, where he says, In the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, um, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And 
the law system, God was master and you were servant. And now in Christ, the law is done away with and he is father and you are child. And you don't need the law. In the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a woman so that you don't have to go back to business as usual. You are no longer slaves to the law. You are children of God. This was good news on top of good news for the Galatians because it meant for them that the men didn't have to get circumcised. It meant that specific rules for women didn't apply to the women of Galatia. It meant that their diets didn't have to change as much as they thought they did. And this is also the section where Paul launches into the bit about um, that, 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 that often quoted verse about uh, in Christ there's no longer male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. He's saying these distinctions, these divisions are done away with. The law created divisions, but in Christ those divisions are challenged and changed. But the early church and the church today, quite frankly, cannot seem to be at ease with the idea that at Christmas what God says is that the law no longer qualifies people. And what qualifies people is that in Jesus Christ, God has said to them, yes, God has said to them, I love you as my own children. But we create divisions and categories. We are addicted to the law. Notice in Genesis, you, 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 we had our lessons in carol service a few weeks ago, which starts with Genesis, where in the beginning in the garden, there are no distinctions. There are no divisions. Um, there are no segregations. There's, there's, there's this beautiful unity. And, and, and the first result of sin is that there's a separation between men and women. The first result of sin is that God says that there, there will be a difference between men and women. And he, and he says to Eve, you, there will be pain in childbearing and your desire will be for your husband. It's, it's the first time where there's this, 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 this separation between the genders, this specific sort of address of the genders. Um, and, then, and, then, and, and then the second thing that happens is that there's a separation between... Um, the snake and the woman, right? Prior to that, there, the, you know, there seemed to be this, 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 this beauty in creation. And, 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 and after the sin, uh, God says there will be enmity between the woman and the snake. Um, but if you keep paying attention in the lessons and carols, in Isaiah, we come to this passage where, um, where, 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 where the prophet's talking about the day of the Lord coming. And one of the signs of the day of the Lord coming is that the child will sit next to the den of the snake again. There's this beautiful um, elimination of the divisions and segregations that become a reality when sin is present. In Joel chapter 2, you get the same sort of thing about men and women where Joel writes, um, um, And in that day, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And then Peter picks this up in Acts chapter 2. And he says, this is what's happening today. These divisions and segregations are being eliminated in Christ. And Paul picks it up then in Galatians and says, listen, the law created divisions. Christ has eliminated those divisions. There is no longer male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile, for all are one in Christ. There's this beautiful movement in scripture that we see in the lessons and carol service from, um, from brokenness and division to, to, to a prophecy about a day when that will become reality, to this day where, where Christ um, 
has eliminated those distinctions and divisions. And of course, we still see those in the world today because while we are already there, we're not quite yet there. But that's what happens. That's the process. That's the progress in, in, in Scripture. But the Galatians have returned to business as usual following the law that creates those separations. Paul at one point says, I'm afraid I've wasted my time on you. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. And it's almost as if in this letter he says to them, listen, if you want the law, you can have it. But it's not good news. If you want the law, it's yours for the taking, but it's not going to make you righteous. If you want to fight that fight, go for it. If you want to do enough, earn enough, be good enough, wake up early enough and work out long enough, you want to take care of the poor enough or volunteer enough, great. You want to try to make enough money to find peace? If you want to try and justify yourself, fine. That's your own grave. You can dig it. But in the fullness of time, God made another way. A way for you to no longer be slaves and servants. A way for you to be children of God. Children who don't always get it right. But they know who they are. Whose they are. In your baptism, Paul writes, you are clothed in Christ. You put him on. And you become a child of God. And you don't have to do a single thing for it. But if you want to keep business as usual, I guess you can. At Christmas, God makes a new way possible for us by being with us. No longer do we have to go about business as usual. The business of achieving our way to peace, of climbing our way to contentment, of creating divisions that profit ourselves, of viewing one another through the lens of those divisions. The law might seem like an abstract and irrelevant idea. I don't often feel free from the law. But ingrained so deeply into us, is the idea that our value and worth has to be earned. And when the Galatians are given the opportunity to go back to business as usual, to prove themselves, to earn it themselves, they do it at the drop of a dime. And each church that Paul writes to faces the same temptation of returning to the law, to business as usual. Are you sure people don't have to be Jews first? Are you sure we can eat that? Are you sure we don't have to look like that or do this? This is like the constant struggle in the church. The constant struggle everywhere, right? Are you sure we don't have to do this? Are you sure we don't have to say that? Or, or... It's hard not to be a church like that. It's hard not to be people like that. Who don't have some conscious or unconscious bar that people have to jump over. This return to the law. It's so easy to do. I'm sure... I don't, maybe it's, it's, maybe it's, it's happened here unconsciously. Maybe you've been a part of churches where it's felt like that. It's so easy to return to business as usual. It's, you know, it's interesting. Um, eventually the church stops using the distinction of Jew and Gentile. But then when Christianity becomes more prominent in Rome, that's where the word pagan began to be created. Um, the, yeah, the word pagan was created by Christians to describe people who aren't Christians. It, 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 it just doesn't take us long um, to create others out of people, to separate ourselves and to, 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 to create divisions that are um, 
not divisions that God would have us um, would not have us create. The church, which started out as a community of people who saw that in Christ they'd been adopted as God's own, quickly returned to the business of creating others, outsiders, creating new laws that keep people in and keep people out. There's a churches are often bounded communities, which means that at the center is Christ. But what we are fixated on is the boundaries around us. And so rather than fixing our eyes on Christ, we look at the boundaries that are around Christ and we see whether people are in and out. And that's what we're worried about is this boundary that's a bounded set community. And the other, the other we also talk about being center set communities. Churches that, that don't care about where the boundary is, but care mainly about where Christ is and where people are. As they, as they approach Christ. And some people may be out of some artificial boundary and some people may be inside of it. But there are communities that are really focused on the boundary and what, when people are in and when people are out. And we want to be a community that's centered on Christ. It's not worried about the boundary, but it's worried about the people and worried about Christ. It's, we don't need a boundary. But that so quickly becomes what the church does, where Jesus comes and he eliminates the divisions and the distinctions between people. And he says grace, but the church quickly finds those boundaries, creates new laws, and makes Christianity business as usual when it's intended not to be business as usual at all. And what I want to say is that this year, this new year, let's not do business as usual, but I don't know, that doesn't even seem in the spirit of what I'm preaching about. We're going to screw things up. We're going to treat people according to their religion or appearance or gender or sexuality rather than according to the reality that God loves that person as his own child. But let's pray that the peace that we pass to one another during our service would begin to help us challenge those assumptions and treat one another with Christ's love. We're going to go about business as usual and work ourselves into anxiety and panic by overscheduling our weeks and taking on too many projects in order to compete with the voice in our head that tells us that we have to do more that we're never enough. But let's try to let the table remind us that the God that knows us the best loves us the most. And we can rest in that for an evening at least. We're going to pass on chances to be generous, choosing rather the business as usual of fear. But let's try to let the generosity of God inspire grateful generosity in our own lives. We're going to fall short a lot. And if our contentment, joy, and hope depend on us reaching the top, we would never have them. But at Christmas, God breaks into the business as usual. He gives the place of honor to an unwed, pregnant teenager from Palestine, and he sends angels to the foul-mouthed shepherds who haven't seen the inside of a church in years. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, in order to receive us as children, and the unspectacular details of his birth are a wink towards a future where things will no longer be business as usual. Let's pray. God, we offer you all of the hopes and fears that come with a new year. I pray that you would 
Put a fire in us to be more at peace with who you are, with who you've made us to be. Pray that you would help us no longer go about business as usual, trying to become gods ourselves, but that we would rest in the knowledge that you are God and that you hold us in the palm of your hand. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.